comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. It smells like a gymnasium in here. Hey everybody, and welcome to Half Hour Wasted, episode 521. This is Brad. This is Frank. Where's our special guest? Well, you gotta say Why, this am is I Bill. The special guest this week? You are not, you're always our special friend, but you're not the special guest <laughs> this week. I'm basically like Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. It's always, and special guest, Jonathan Price, or whatever the heck his name was. Well, yes. this week we have special guest... Steve even or I know it's not pronounced Steve even but I like to because you shoved an extra e in there for some reason. <laughs> That's was right. That, was that your parents' fault or was it a typo? <laughs> no, everybody assumes it's a typo. In fact, I have people who correct it for me on forms when I send oh, wow. when I fill it out a form they correct it for me. No, I'm I'm named after my dad's like best friend in high school and that's how he spelled his name. So Everybody said Steve. We are, yeah, of course. I don't. I don't hear that enough. We are, of course. Uh, uh, Stephen, am I right in remembering that that um, they were in the army together? Well, my dad was in the navy. Uh, his friend Steve was in the army. He uh, okay. went to Vietnam, um, where he did not. He he did not come back from Vietnam. But. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of in honor of that. So yeah, yeah. that's nice. We are, of course, mm. talking to Stephen Orr host of Just Another Fanboy Podcast. And before we start recording, Frank was asking you about a new show you're doing. So tell us about that. The new show is called Event or Else. It's uh, it's primarily a YouTube show in which I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time. There is an audio version as well for people who don't like to watch the videos but you can get it on youtube you can see the videos on facebook you can get the uh audio episodes pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts cool very cool and you're talking you're currently talking about marvel's uh secret wars right yes uh i just started a, a few weeks back so my first event was uh marvel superhero secret wars from 84 85 and i'm right in the middle of that cool very cool I didn't know about this second show, so I'm, I like that series. It's been a while since I've read it, so I'm going to go back and, and listen to your your new thing, starting with the first chapter of that. That'll be awesome. That'll be cool. Do you, uh, do you rate them, or are you just simply trying to analyze them for the I, I go through and talk about uh, each issue, what happened. You know, I go through a synopsis of the issue, and then I talk about... Um, I do three things to dwell on, which are just three moments <laughs> in the book that... 
I feel need to be dwelled on for a moment. They may be stupid moments or funny moments or dramatic moments. And then I do a, a quick wrap up of how I felt about the book. And then I end it They're They're about they're 20 minutes or less each episode. That'll get me from home to work. So that's fantastic. Uh, Bill and Frank and I were all on Steven's just another fanboy podcast separately at three different Bill, times. Been on, Bill, yeah. uh, Bill never yet. made Bill, it on. Bill hasn't had a chance yet. No. The one weekend which we talked about was was a bad weekend for whatever reason. It was it was during the holiday season, and uh, uh, I just I haven't gotten the uh, I haven't gotten the ring since then. So I've been too lazy to ask myself. Well, I kind of I kind of stopped doing the live streams. They they weren't. I was having problems with them, so I'm kind of retooling. I I'm going to be wrapping up season four of just another fanboy here in a couple of weeks. And, and I plan with season five, which will be coming back in June doing some, um, doing more of interview type stuff, but they may not be live streams. I may be using Skype and whatnot just to record some, some talks with folks. And that's probably when I will reach out to you, Bill, you're still on my list, man. Well, I just, I assumed that you wanted, uh, listeners. And so that pretty much explained everything to me. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> I know that you're going to bring in the people. Oh, uh, oh Stephen Bill is the king of self-deprecation. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. You know, uh, yeah, Stephen, you had mentioned about um, about taking a break for a while, and I guess Brad, this is a good time to announce that we will be taking a break too. Yeah, we'll just um, we talked to uh, Frank and Bill and I and talked in the past about you know how we want to do the show and kind of just with our craziness and and weird schedules and stuff, you know, we can record for a few weeks at a time and then we'll take a few weeks off, and I think this will be our last episode. Uh, for a few weeks, maybe a month, month and a half, uh, we'll sprinkle a, a random audio file in, you know, over the, the hiatus or two, uh, a file or two over the hiatus. But uh, we'll be back. But we just uh, want to take I want to I want to do puzzles and I can't do puzzles because my podcasting equipment is on my puzzle <laughs> table. So um, if you want to blame anybody, blame me. So Can we yeah. suggest. He could move all his podcast equipment out onto his uh, patio. Well, you know but what? I hope soon enough. Like that. No, mm-hmm. I, it's too small. I hope soon enough. Uh, the three of us, we've yet to actually talk about this, but I, I'd like to talk about it possibly over the hiatus about uh, you know us getting back together to to record um, in one place. Well, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you, and we'll do that well, off the I air can- sometime. In the same location. You want to go ahead and say something about it, Frank? Well, uh, you you had mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, feeling comfortable and stuff. I I actually uh, had one of my first outings yesterday with people. Oh, that's right. uh, Post-COVID, yeah. Uh, I had had kind of a funny story about it, too. Uh, So I met at a brewery with some friends, and we had a couple drinks, and it was great. And... uh, Great wait staff, not a lot of people, but uh, but it was fun. Got up to go to uh, the restroom, but when I came back, uh, I saw these ladies uh, with the box of decorations, and I just kind of casually goes, "Hey, what's going on?" And they go, "Oh, it's an engagement party. Here, take this." And they handed me a banner, and they go, "Put it up over there." <laughs> so I did. <laughs> 
and they go, and then that same woman was just like, "Hey, help me move this table this way." So I I moved it over and stuff, and and then she goes, "You know what? Let's move the banner here. Let's put it to the other side because I want people to take pictures under it." So Did like, she okay. think you worked at the place? Well, that's just it. A manager came over and said, "Oh, you can't put the banner there because uh, this is a throughway," and um, and then uh, she, you know, when the guy told her that, she looked at me like, "Why didn't you tell me that?" And then she goes, "Do you work here?" I said, "No, I'm with those guys." And she like apologized so much. She bought me a beer. Oh, that's that funny. Was so sweet. That's but, funny. Uh, but she was definitely the bossy one of that group because she did not give me a moment. She didn't even say, hi, how are you? She goes, put this hi, put this banner there. It's like, okay. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know what? That just goes to show what kind of a dude you are, Frank. Because I would have been <laughs> like... Story. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I don't work here, lady. I'm sorry, the punchline of this whole story, uh, and Frank is way too modest to tell people, but Frank... Is now engaged, everybody. <laughs> it was a whirlwind romance, but uh, yes. you know, when when love is true, it's true, right? Right. Well, Frank, I hope you'll consider um, and Bill uh, getting together and recording in the same location. If we start off on the patio and we just do a nice casual patio recording here and there, that'd be fine with me. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into the reason we got Stephen on here is we wanted to all talk about the last half of the first and possibly only season of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to talk about episodes four, five, and six. Um, we're going to go episode by episode this time. Episode four, The Whole World is Watching, again, directed by Kari Skogland. She directed all six episodes. Fantastic job. AO gives Barnes eight hours to use Zemo before the Wakandans take him as Zemo killed their king, T'Chaka. If we remember at the end of season three... Uh, Barnes found AO in the um, in the alley there and as he was following the little beads that Frank pointed out belonged on her, somebody's wrist uh, that I didn't catch. Good catch, Frank. Anyway, Zemo helps find Carly Morgenthau at a funeral for her adoptive mother where Walker and Hoskins, John Walker and what's Hoskins' first name? I've already forgotten. Lamar. Lamar Hoskins, thank you. Yeah. Intercept them. Well, where Captain Lloyd. America and Battlestar intercept them. Wilson speaks with Morgenthau alone and attempts to persuade her to end the violence, but an impatient walker intervenes and a fight ensues. Zemo destroys most of the serum before he is apprehended by Walker, who secretly takes the last vial. Ao and the Dora Malahe come for Zemo, but Walker refuses to hand him over. In the ensuing fight, the Dora Malahe humiliate Walker while Zemo escapes. Morgenthau threatens Sarah, forcing Wilson to meet with her to attempt to persuade him to join her. Sarah was his sister, yes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Walter and Hoskins engage other members of the Flag Smashers, leading to another fight in which Morgenthau accidentally kills Hoskins. Enraged by his friend's death and having taken the serum, Walker uses the shield to kill one of the Flag Smashers in front of horrified bystanders who film his actions. Man, I watch these episodes when they come out at like 5.30 in the morning when I get up on a Friday morning to before I have my coffee. I'm sure I've woken up a few of my neighbors, you know, like when, when Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of the Mandalorian, I'm sure I woke up the neighbors. And when he takes that shield at the very end of this episode and just chop, chop. Oh my gosh. I'm sure I, 
was loud in 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 just shock and awe. You know what I mean? It was it it is a it is a powerful visual. You know, it's it's a negative visual, but it's a powerful visual of that of that shield we we've grown to love and trust just covered in blood. Hey, Stephen, since we haven't talked about this with you on the show, just in a couple of sentences, give us your 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 collected thoughts about John Walker as Captain America. Oh boy, that's especially like in the first words. three or four uh, episodes. Like, what was your general feeling? Well, having read the comics, um, I was subscribing to Captain America back when those books came out. Um, I knew, I kind of knew what his arc was going to be. So ultimately, I was, I was really excited to see him. I was, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the character, but it's, it's nice seeing characters from my childhood show up on these, on these shows and these movies. But I was just watching and waiting for when's he going to snap. That's what I was kind of looking for. And this is where we see it. This is where it happens. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, the, the whole, up until this episode, I just assumed when he was telling everybody he didn't have any superpowers that he was, he was lying to everybody. The way they kind of, some of the action sequences that he did up to that point, it looked like he was super strong. Well, but, yeah, there was a time Frank mentioned it last time we recorded when he was practicing with the shield in one of the first couple episodes, he was handling it like he had yeah. super strength almost. Yep. Um, so he found and, and go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, in mirroring what what you said, uh, Stephen, you know he he's such a uh, uh, he he's such a character that, that I guess in the comic books he's easy enough to hate because of his uh, attitude and stuff. But in, in this Disney show, he is someone. At least for me, you can somewhat understand where he's coming from because, and and while he's not. He's trying so hard to do the right thing, but he 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 is a broken man, uh, and just the wrong man to carry the shield. But he definitely, like in his heart, he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah, they definitely make him a much more sympathetic character in the show than they did in the in the comics at the time. Bill, did you think he was going to snap this episode? Uh, I knew he was going to snap at some point, but but I'm the guy who. Um, uh, like most of America, when he debuted, you know, in the climactic shot of episode one or the final shot of episode one, um, you know, you, you go, boo, that, that guy sucks. He's not Captain America. And they spend the first uh, 10 minutes of the second episode trying to make you kind of fall in love with the guy. And I did. And at that point, I was pretty convinced, well, you know, this guy's going to go on to freaking lead the Avengers or something. Um, uh, I'm glad I was wrong. Uh, but I was kind of surprised. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be, because uh, I thought the characters were all very well written. Um, that uh, he would make the classic heel turn, I guess. Uh, although it's not classic. I mean, he he had his reasons, as the the show does a pretty good job of giving you. Um, yeah, I thought one of the strengths of this series is that uh, uh, the bad guys were were multifaceted you know you, you had a lot of reasons to go yeah you know that bad guy's got a really good point uh i kind of agree with you on that um but uh, uh yeah on the balance though uh, i i do think that you know if you've got multiple brain cells to rub together you are waiting for john walker to snap and uh yeah i didn't have a real prediction as to when it was going to happen yeah kind of thought it would happen 
happen. Yeah. Was that my? I hope, was that? My, I hope that's notification. Nah, I think that was mine. I'm not sure. Actually, that's weird. Actually, might have been yours because that was a it's Facebook okay. notification, right? Ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I'm going to share my screen mm-hmm. with you guys. This um. Here. This episode. Can you see that? Yeah. This episode starts yes. with this great flashback of six years ago with uh, yeah. with the. Um, Bucky on the isle on the Wakanda. Yeah. And he's yeah. and he's um he's staring at the fire and she walks up and she starts saying the trigger words and he sits there and he has little little flashes of, of the past and she's testing him, right? And then, you know, of course he, he makes it through it all and she says, you know, You're good you're good to go. You've you've succeeded and <laughs> and uh she goes, You're cool, you can you can take off now or whatever. I thought that was a really neat way to see just a little more of his time on the island to kind of fill in the gaps, you know? Look at him struggling so hard. He's got tears in his eyes. What was the last word? Was one the last word? Oh, freight car. Look at him. He just wants to... He's afraid. And then, of I, course... I definitely got, on my first viewing, I definitely got very emotional. Yeah. Uh, during this scene, it's so powerful because he. Uh, this is the moment where where he, where the Winter Soldier, is, the spell is broken on him, and yeah. he realizes it. So powerful, so well done. Yeah. yeah, you can really see it in his face when he realizes he's finally free and mm. nobody can control him, and it's yeah, it's very emotional. I don't know why I should be shocked at uh, how good a job I think Sebastian Stan did. I guess I, I never really cons- I considered him more an, an you know an action star you know, rather than a, an actor that happens to do action, uh, and I guess I was wrong. Uh, yeah, he's he's really good. Uh, they they uh, they scored when they cast him uh, freaking twenty seven years ago or whenever that was. Yeah, that's a great scene. She says, "You are free." I was looking for that line. Ah, that was cool. The fight in the in Zemo's hotel room or whatever that was pretty awesome when the door malahi show up you, you know but before that comes up zemo uh pops up that pop pops off that line about uh sorry i have to pull up my notes about having to kill carly that that is the only solution and uh you know falcon and, and the winter soldier say no 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 we we can we can convince her not to uh you know zemo's right the whole time yeah, I mean that is the only solution. E- even though Falcon and Winter Soldier, in the end, aren't responsible for her death, uh, it it is the only outcome that there can be. Uh, I kind of appreciate that a little bit. Wow, that's cold, Frank. I'm- yeah, <laughs> well, that that they're willing to to take a character that maybe has potential to uh 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 you know expand a little more but uh, but uh but in the end they they kind of i mean the the in the end the, the bad guy zemo is is right the only way to stop her is to uh, is to kill her but I'm, I'm usually not a fan of killing the villain at the end of a movie uh they did that with was it killmonger yeah Killmonger, uh, I was really sorry when when they killed him because I thought he was such an interesting uh, villain for for uh, Black Panther. Uh, 
Yeah. And uh, uh, I was really sad to see him to see him go. But but with Carly, I think, you know, her, she ran her arc, I think. I, I don't know there was any any more anywhere else her character could have gone. I was talking to yeah. go ahead, Stephen. Well, I was just going to say, and they make it pretty clear that uh, the Flag Smashers is more than just her or any of the others. That mm-hmm. even with all of them dead, the Flag Smashers can still go on. And and uh, I I do have a feeling we're going to see them again. I, uh, I did wonder uh, how literally she was speaking when she uttered that line. Um, because as far as we know, the Flag Smashers are basically that group of expat super soldiers. You know, and and she you know she references oh there's there's so many of us out there, uh, I, I guess there's the couple times where she does her phone app thing and and you know half the people in the park get up and start doing the zombie walk. Yeah, yeah. they weren't obviously oh, all super soldiers, but they believed in the cause. Right. Um, yeah. The the idea that uh, that that organization might survive her death though, I didn't think it was just such a fait accompli. Um, you know every. Every movement like that needs a, a spearhead, a, a figurehead. And, um, you know, without her, you know, certainly without, you know, the super soldiers, you know, to be the point of the spear, uh, you know, an organization like that, you know, well, I hope it doesn't, I uh, uh, hope an organization like that uh, wasn't born in like uh, freaking China or something. It'd get squashed fast. I'm sorry to get political on you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just I just think that an organization like that can can wither on the vine, you know, without uh, without the proper figure uh, at the top of it, you know, leading the way, you know, spiritually uh, as much as uh, militarily. I don't know if we'll see him again. I mean, especially based on what happens in episode six, but we'll get there. Well, uh, if you remember, Brad, that soldier that put the uh, the flag smashers in that truck, yeah. he whispers to one of them and just says, you know. One um, world, one people. Yeah. But was so he messing with them? Did he believe it or was he just messing with them? Yeah. I, I rewatched it and I think he was genuine. Yeah. Maybe in so. my opinion. I, I think he was genuine. I mean, the, the flag smashers, of course, they're, the inner circle were those, what, six or seven that were super soldiers. But they obviously, I mean, some of the stuff that, they, heck, just coordinating the taking over of, of the GRC conference in the sixth episode, it takes more than just seven or eight people to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think they're very well connected, um, and I think we're going to see them again. And, and maybe with the, the super soldier part of it gone, I don't know, maybe that's something that uh, somebody like Baron Zemo might step in and fill that void. Who knows? Mm. So we got that scene where Sam and Bucky and Zemo are trying to find Carly and John Walker and Hoskins show up and they convince Walker not to take Zemo. We're going to try to get to Carly and they go to that memorial where for the, for the um, friend of Carly who died. And Sam's like, you guys just hang out here and let me go talk to her. Just give me a second. He almost had her. He almost had her. Oh yeah. In this in this conversation, and then of course, Walker. He can't. He just can't stand it. He's mm-hmm. freaking Captain America. He should be the one dealing with this situation, not some, you know, somebody who's not sanctioned anymore or whatever. And Bucky even says, "Just give him a second. 
And then, of course, we all know what happens. I do, I do like this this scene, especially between Bucky and Walker, because the way they're they're talking to each other, they're not yelling at each other. It's kind of a low key type of like hostility, and like Walker knows what what the Falcon is trying to accomplish, but he just feels like he needs to, you need to go in there and just do it now. And yeah. it's like let cooler heads, let's just try this. There's no loss in trying this, but like you said, Brad. Captain America should be the one doing this, not not the Falcon. That's the way he's looking at it. I mean, we all know, we all know that's not the case. We know Sam should be. We know Sam's going to be the one if anybody can talk her down. But as far as Captain America is concerned, he's the one that should be in there. And then Zemo gets the opportunity. He finds himself just around all those vials, and he just smashes them all. He just goes to town because that's what he hates the most: are the super soldiers. Yeah. And he gets a chance to just smash him. There's a cool shot of the camera underneath the floor as he's smashing down on the vials. And he goes uh, Marvel Comics almost literally all my life. I hate to ask this next question. Is Zemo always is this a a creation of the MCU or was Zemo always like that in the comics too? I don't and know. Because basically he comes across as he comes across as Lex Luthor with a little less agency and a lot more hair. Hmm. Zemo wasn't, I mean, he wasn't uh, someone who was against super superheroes in the comics. Um, The the Baron Zemo that, that I grew up with was like, was the son of the original Baron Zemo who died in world war two, I I believe. And the, the, the modern day Zemo blames Captain America for it. And I think that was a lot of his motivation is just trying to take down Captain America. Okay. I, I, I you know, you always wonder, uh, you know, even if you read comics on a regular basis, like I do, you always wonder, did I miss, you know, an important arc or something that explained the way they're portraying him and, you know, on, you know, in, on film right now, or, um, is this just a, a fabrication of the, TV creators who, you know, they have to adapt everything. Uh, and that's fine. Um, so, yeah, yeah that makes sense. And I don't, I honestly don't read a lot of the newer Marvel stuff. I don't read a lot of the newer books. So he may be like that now. I mean, the way he is in the show may be like he was in, in the books uh, for the yeah, last I, 10 years. But I do keep up with, I've got Marvel Unlimited have for, uh, well, yeah. years now. Um, so I keep up with it that way, but I do keep up with the Avengers and stuff. And, uh, no, I don't remember the last time I saw Baron Zemo, uh, rolling around. So, uh, I don't know. No, of course I think I, my, uh, my go-to for him is going to be in the eighties during the, uh, under siege arc of the Avengers which I think was Roger Stern, uh, but it was uh, John Buscema and Tom Palmer on art. It's a it's it's a really good uh, arc if you haven't read it. It's it's where Baron Zemo and his Masters of Evil take over the Avengers Mansion, beat <laughs> beat uh, Alfred nearly to death, uh, oh. beat Hercules nearly to death. Um, Baron Zemo breaks into Captain America's Footlocker and destroys like this 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 old photograph like this the last thing captain america had of his past life or something it's it's actually very quite emotional for a book that came out in the 80s they, they did a really good job on it and i remember as a kid being really angry at watching the, these super villains beating up this poor alfred who has no superpowers or jarvis 
Jarvis. Yeah. <laughs> I I did that. You said Alfred, and I didn't want to. Alfred. I didn't want to correct ah, you. I'm gonna turn in my nerd card. I yes. like this this shot that I froze on y'all screens. This is when John Walker he just knocked Zemo unconscious. By the way, in our last episode when we were talking about this, I kept saying zero over and over again. Oh, really? Yeah. I wanted to just acknowledge that on air. I knew exactly what I meant to say, which was Zemo, but every once in a while, about 50% of the time, I would say zero. So, I beg your forgiveness. But this oh is this goodness. is a shot right here after he knocks Zemo unconscious, and he's looking around, and he sees the one lone vial that's still sitting there. He just looks unhinged, the way his head's tilted, and he's just looking at it like he knows what he shouldn't do, but you know... I'm going to do it anyway. That type of look. But uh, a couple, going I, on and on about uh, Wyatt Russell uh, as an actor. And uh, I just thought, well, I just, I don't know what the heck I've seen this guy in. So I'm not calling you a liar. I just don't have that same experience. And uh, to, to read Wyatt Russell talking about uh, the, the way he prepared for the character and basically how he was trying to put about, 12 layers into every single thing he did. Um, I, I thought it, uh, I thought it really worked and, you know, kind of like Sebastian Stan. I mean, you can, you can dang your play at an entire scene with one look, you know, from this guy. Um, really, really cool. Um, I just, uh, I think it's a darn shame if, uh, if they don't figure out a way to keep Wyatt Russell around, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe we get our, our West Coast Avengers movie. A uh, thing that sucks is something like that would be you know three or four years off at best, I suppose. Well, we um, can speculate a little more about that after we get to episode six. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Uh, but before you you move past the uh, this part, Brad, uh, yeah. going back to to, uh, to that scene between Carly and and Falcon. Uh, Falcon uses a phrase in there where he where he says uh, sometimes blood isn't the answer, mm-hmm. and um, that that kind of stuck with me. Whenever someone uses that for, uh, that terminology, like like well, sometimes violence isn't the answer or whatever. Uh, I, I I always think in the back of my my mind. Well, then the counter to that is sometimes it is the answer, and and maybe that's the only way Carly can kind of get get past this is is all she sees is that violence is the answer and there's just there's no way of of getting getting past that and she even gets to that point where she's like then we'll kill the hostages yeah and and we see that towards and we see that towards the the last episode that's all the time we have for you steven we'll talk to you later (laughs) crap all right good night everybody so he's he he pockets that one vial of serum and then eventually we end up in this scene where the Dormelage catch up with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Zemo. And they have a big fight. And then Zemo escapes. And then Hoskins Oops, and... Escape. I mean, he really just kind of... He slipped out, didn't he? Yeah. And shuts the doors. And he just stealthed his way out of there. He, he, was he, so had, cool. he, had, he had it planned somehow. He, yeah. he was so cool during that fight. He's just sitting there drinking, uh-huh. watching all them fight. And, <laughs> yes. you know, 
then that's once he realizes it's going downhill, that's where he kind of slinks off. Then well, we'll, he's more than willing to just say, you know, I'll just uh, chart my own course uh, from here. How about that? Uh, see you guys later. Good luck. So. Then we, of course, we have the big fight when they catch up with the Flag Smashers and Hoskins. You're not going to talk about one of my favorite moments in the entire series. Tell me. And I, I don't know which one of the uh, the Dora Malaya it was, but uh, uh, but Bucky goes up to her uh, kind of oh yeah freeway fight, and you know he's kind of giving her the Heisman. You know, just like ah, oh, just uh, back out, and she kind of she kind of puts a couple fingers into his uh, into his left uh, shoulder and touches him a couple of times. His arm just freaking falls to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> just. Falls off, literally, falls off. And, Sam, and his expression is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Sam goes, "You didn't know they they could do that." <laughs> yeah, at the end of that scene, he's like, yeah. "I didn't know it did that." Yeah, that was pretty great. You know, it doesn't surprise me that Wakandans would build a failsafe into that. Of course, you know, yes, and not tell him about it. Obviously, <laughs> you know that that scene also uh, that fight scene also has one thing that kind of bugs me a little bit. And not in a terrible way. It's just kind of a, a from a screenwriting perspective. Um, a Walker says after the fight, he goes, "They weren't even super soldiers," and, and you know yeah. he uses that that phrase. And and I felt like like that's that's a bit spoon feeding your audience. I think you could have just shown him like looking at the table and just kind of like thinking to himself, God, if only I was stronger. I think they could have shown it better than just saying that line. That line didn't bother me. Yeah, they do make the show Don't Tell a Mistake a couple of times in this miniseries, but it's not bad. They, and then after that, I mean, there, there's that cafe scene where uh, where they are in there, and then he kind of reiterates the whole, like, um, uh, the whole thing about about Take if you could take it, would you? Oh, and yeah. being being a uh, a medal uh, of honor recipient, I, I I wanted to take this moment to say uh, uh, recently I ha- I worked on a project where I had um, where someone had interviewed uh, a whole bunch of medal of honor recipients, real life uh, American heroes who actually received it, and they were interviewed about you know how they got it and stuff. And it so much mirrors what John says here about like getting a getting uh, honored for the worst day of your life, and and you know wanting to forget it but can't and and you, you know so, some of these guys said things like you know it's just like they told me I did all these things I don't remember doing it, wow and and. and you know they're they're definitely thankful for the award and stuff like that, but it's also like like I mean it's probably so pushed down in their psyche that they just can't remember what they did because it was such a you know it was both heroic and scary and the scared part has just been pushed down. Uh, there's a reason they have the term the fog of war. Yeah, I mean just that simple. The the end of oh, that. The end of this episode really does, I guess, kind of tie into that scene you're talking about, Frank, where where Walker and Hoskins are talking about, well, would you take it? And uh, he goes, power, right here, Hoskins says, power just makes a person more themselves, right? And, mm-hmm. um, or maybe, maybe it's, no, it's him saying it. And he's like, what would it make me? 
Walker says, what would it make mean? He goes, and Hoskins says, you've already got, what is it? You've already got three medals of honor. Yeah. Like it's like, he's, it's almost like he's encouraging him to take it and he's not worried about it. And then of course yeah. we see what happens. You know, they had the big fight and, and he gets, he gets accidentally killed. Who is it that actually, it was Car- Carly. it's Carly, right? Yeah, Car- because the Carly thing is, because he punches the sternum and yep. ends up breaking his body against a marble column. Yeah. And then at the end, yep, there he is right there. She punched him so hard. And then at the end, he just goes nuts, you know, outside. And even the guy, this is the guy that he kills at the end. This is the guy, I think it was earlier in this episode, when he goes, when I was growing up, Captain America was my hero. Yeah. Like, he idolized this guy. And now, here is the new Captain America taking his life. I mean, that's got to suck. On the... And, and the guy's like, I didn't do it. Right. You know, it wasn't me. He's got the wrong guy. And he's just, you know, Walker's seeing some, he's got so much blood in his eyes that he doesn't care. Yeah, he's seeing red. Big time. Yeah. Well, like uh, Tommy Lee Jones in, the, in the, uh, the Fugitive. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Now, this, this episode did not have a mid-credit scene, did it? Pretty sure. Think. I'm pretty sure no, it did not. It's no. the next one. Right. So let's move on to episode five. Let me read the thing real quick. Finish with the, the most important image of episode four, maybe of the entire series, is what Walker actually does to that guy who had idolized Captain America and who told John Walker, I didn't do it. And, you know, John Walker takes his freaking shield and basically tries to cut the guy in half. Yeah. He doesn't stop until he's long past dead, still in one piece, uh, for better or for worse. doesn't really matter to him at that point. But uh, you're surrounded. You're surrounded. You know, he's in a, a, a square somewhere in Europe. And there are literally a couple, 300 people in that square because it was a regular day. And every single one of them has a phone pointed at him as he looks up. And his bloodlust, you know, his berserker rage subsides a bit, and his head kind of comes back to him a little bit. He looks up, and he realizes that, uh, you know, no take backsies. Um, I just went uh, full Wolverine berserker mode for a moment and just killed this guy, and the entire world saw me do it, you know, probably live. Yeah, the the world is watching as the episode is... uh... Yeah, is yeah. entitled, and you know it's that last scene that uh, that encompasses that title. Maybe also, if if you watch this last scene, Brad has it up on screen. Uh, his hand, his hand is twitching, like it, it's got ticks in it, like he's okay. uh, like nervous ticks. Well, he clearly already had some some issues, and you know, not a huge surprise. Taking the super soldier serum. Uh, did not help his mental stability. I mean, his uh, his propensity to uh, you know kind of rage a little bit, which helps a lot in the theater of war, uh, may have been pretty freaking detrimental right here. And, and again, you know, you're you're talking about uh, a guy who you know had his ego. Yeah, he's sitting there. Uh, uh, he's uh, in the scene leading up to him going out into the street and doing the deed. Um, he is uh, uh, noticeably like his head is twitching. I mean, he's noticeably his whole body is just twitching 
um, from, you know, cortisol or, you know, or the drug or what I guess we're supposed to assume a, the combination of the drug. Um, yeah, he took yeah. that. He took that serum. It's it's not sitting well with him. And with that, uh, with that said, um, I don't know about you guys. Uh, of course, I'm taking that stupid serum. I don't know. I, mean, I asked myself if I would, and I, I if just. I, don't know. If I, I, I wouldn't. COVID shot. I'll take your super soldier serum. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I gotta ask myself if the if the serum just makes you more of you. Does that just mean I'm gonna be more lazy? <laughs> exactly, Stephen. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I won't smoke marijuana, is because it would just make me even lazier than I already am. Uh, no, that's, that's not good. I'm not going to do it. Huh. It, All right. Uh, fun. I'm not, I'm not good at being lazy myself. But, yeah. uh, I'm great at it. Oh, I'm a big fan. Sure. Yeah, I'm super good. Uh, yeah. You know what? Last year when we were in, when I was in isolation for 45 days, I got so tired of being lazy. <laughs> I had had enough of being lazy. I wanted to be productive, so it's not I'll, all I'll admit up that me. I do get a bit tired of being lazy, but I'm really too lazy to do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> episode uh, five. Oh, well, yeah. oh, go ahead. Let's Bro. let's keep moving. Episode five entitled "Truth." Wilson and Barnes demand the shield from Walker, and this is great because this episode just picks up like immediately after. It's great. Um, Leading to a fight in which Walker destroys Wilson's wingsuit. Wilson and Barnes take the shield, breaking Walker's arm. I had missed that the first time. And then, of course, he's wearing a shield, um, a sling later. And I went, what's all that about? And I rewound it and, of course, caught it the second time. Uh, Barnes finds Zemo in Sokovia and hands him over to the Dora Malahe, while Walker receives an other-than-honorable discharge and is stripped of his title as Captain America. Afterward, Walker is approached by... Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Wilson leaves the damaged wingsuit with Torres and visits Isaiah Bradley, who states his belief that a black man cannot and should not be Captain America. Wilson returns home and helps fix the family boat with assistance from several locals and Barnes, who delivers a briefcase from the Wakandans to Wilson. Barnes and Wilson train with the shield and agree to move on from their pasts and work together. Flag Smashers plan an attack on a GRC conference in New York City and are joined by Batroc Zilipa, who Carter has secretly hired. In a mid-credit scene, John Walker builds a new shield from scrap metal in his war medals. Okay, so this episode pissed me off. Ooh. Because uh, let me let me back up. This episode was fantastic until near the end when it's obviously revealed that Carter, we we find out hundred percent for sure in episode six, but if Carter is hiring Batroc Zaliper to do some work for her, you know, she's the friggin' power broker. And how stupid is that? How stupid is this? I'm sorry. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. It breaks so, my heart. I hate it. So Brad, uh, uh, I know this makes you angry, but Steve and I were having the same conversation okay. a couple days ago. I'm listening. And he had some fantastic logic that I don't know if we want to talk about it now or Why wait until the I third mean, episode. You mean, Steven, you mean until but, the sixth uh, episode? 
the sixth episode. Okay, yeah. Well, but but okay. Steven had some logic. Let's okay, that, let's that, let's hold it. Let me let me calm down a bit so I can have that conversation rationally. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Um I love the beginning fight at this in this episode when uh John Walker says, You don't want to do this and Oh it's amazing. Barnes goes, Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really do. We really want to kick your butt right now. <laughs> We really want to take that shield from you. After what you just did? No. We are... We're taking it. You yeah. idiot. Andy, you know, for for me, I understand that taking it was... was... represented them actually turning him in, but it, at times it felt like, like they were literally just more interested in taking the shield than than turning him in. But that's just uh, that's just like like comic book logic or or movie logic, you know. By yeah. taking away the shield, we're also turning you in. I think it's interesting how lightly uh, how lightly his his killing of that guy was handled. Generally, not that not that he should have been uh, you know sent to the gas chamber or anything, but uh, um, it, it does seem like. Uh, Okay, you gotta. The army basically says you gotta go now. Um, after a great speech by John Walker, again, you know, another example of big surprise, good writing. Um, as by the end of his little rebuttal, um, I, and you know, the, the whole scene starts out where the Congress is telling him, you know, what's going to happen. They're telling him about his his discharge and, and how he's basically going to be persona non grata and no, no pension and no nothing. And, uh, um, you know, his response to them is, you know, you all, you know, I, I followed your directions. You know, I became the person you, you transformed me into, you know, you molded me into exactly what you have before you right now. And now you're going to just sweep me under the rug. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that they uh, they found a way to make uh, uh, members of Congress look uh, even worse and more reprehensible than we already think about them in real life. <laughs> that that scene for me did I mean, such a great job of bringing sympathy back to Walker. I wanted to reach the TV and punch the uh, the, the the senator with the lead senator, the one of the lines. Um, uh, the absolute dismissal of John Walker just emotionally. Uh, he just he just didn't care. He did, and John John was like, you know, can I please have a couple of minutes to give you my side of the story? And they're completely dismissive. It's just like, nope. We we've seen the video. We uh, already made our decisions. Well, and, um, and and that's pretty much the thing. Val says it herself. His in yeah. their eyes, his real crime wasn't that he killed somebody. It's that he killed somebody. In front of the world, you yes. know, if he had done that in a warehouse, and oh. the rest of the world hadn't seen it, they'd be like, they'd be giving him another medal. But the yeah, fact like, that he got caught is that—that yeah. that was his real crime. And and just think about where we were with Walker when this episode when this episode started. We were mad at him. We were scared of him. But now, just in this one speech that Walker gives us, suddenly we kind of feel sympathy for him, and we kind of understand where he's coming from. Brad's really shaking his head. No, not at all, Brad. Zero. Zero. He gets everything he deserves right here. And it's Mm -hmm. his own fault. 
And if you feel any sympathy towards this guy right now, you got to reexamine your own personal uh, belief system. Well, that's why well, it's so I'm I'm coming from the uh, from the storytelling aspect. Uh, you know what he did was terrible. Yes, one hundred percent. I'm just talking from character development and story. Well, I think the what I think what the sympathy comes from is again. I don't think any of us agree that he did he did the right thing. We all agree. I think that he did the wrong thing. But the fact that um, this the, this government body just did not have his back in any way. Yes, and really, yes. he was he was ultimately doing what they wanted him to do. He just, like I said, he just got caught. That's his, the only reason they're they're punishing him. And it's like he yep. said, "You built me. I did what you built me to do, and and you're you're brushing me aside because of it." But I don't I don't have any sympathy for the guy. Really, I mean, he gets he he. I kind of agree with Bill. He he should have deserved more than just a dishonorable discharge because he did murder a man, uh, a def- well, some would argue a defenseless man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I would. That's why I consider it so expertly uh, or so well nuanced. Uh, because honestly, you know, I don't have an issue with him killing an enemy combatant. You know, in a in a a, a theater or battle. You know, that's, you know, if you're fighting a war, um, you know, don't touch the, don't touch the women and children, don't touch the innocents, but, uh, but this is an enemy combatant who's, who's previously, you know, who's pretty much on record as he'd be okay with killing you if the the situation reversed. So the idea that he's going to kill him, I don't think is, is the issue. You know, again, the issue is that there was so much disinfectant, i.e. daylight, uh, on it and, you know, the fact that, that he did have this guy completely subdued and his, his internal rage, his super soldier serum, his, you know, they never explicitly state, well, it was 82% super soldier serum and 18% him just being mentally unhinged to begin with, you know, they, they well, and clinical and it, analysis, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a crime of passion in that, you know, his, his best friend had just been killed. And, 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 and think, you know, think about think I mean, about what mantle of Captain America. You know, Steve Ro- Steve Rogers would never have done that. You know, I think that just juxtaposition is huge. You know, I think if if another soldier had done that, even in public, I don't know if the backlash would have been what it was. And as it was, I thought it was real interesting that really the only backlash that we see here is backlash from six senators who are clearly written to have no soul whatsoever. <laughs> you know, they, they, you know, he, he doesn't beg, but he flat out says, will you please give me just a couple of minutes to explain my side of the situation and why the senators just give him the Heisman. And, you know, they show him the hand and say, nope, nope, don't want to hear it. I didn't understand that. And that dehumanized Congress which in turn, you know, because they're they're on the same scale, and so in turn that that humanizes uh, John Walker. Um, uh, I just I, I think it's tough because uh, uh, if I'd been in that position, I'd like to think that you know super soldier serum coursing through you or whatever that I don't think I would have delivered the killing blow. Um, but uh, but right up to that, it's like no, he's uh, he's kind of doing what he's there to do, even if he is a bit of a, a butthole about it. Um, so. Yeah, I just I don't think you know it's so well written or it's well written enough that you can't just blanket 
you know, it's this is not a black or white situation, you know. Well, I mean, think about Steve Rogers for a second, because I do feel that uh, what he did is black and white. Take Steve Rogers, the very first movie, him and Bucky get on that train to capture Arnim Zola. Mm-hmm. Bucky is killed. He's he's in essence murdered right in front of him. Right. And Cap does not kill anybody. He still continues his mission. His best friend, his basically his brother, has just died. And he doesn't take his rage out on any of the soldiers. He doesn't go and kill Arnim Zola. He still takes the guy prisoner. He does what he's supposed to do. And that's and and so now we've got John Walker who's in that same outfit. And he's faced with the same situation. And he doesn't even go after the person that killed his best friend. He just finds somebody else to take his rage out on and, and kills him in cold blood. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I, I mean, I, huh. I do feel a bit of sympathy because the fact that, you know, like, like you said, the people that built him, that, that, that he, he was doing what they told him to do, whether it was wrong, they just abandoned him. But... So, so Steve Rogers in this case is, is really one of a kind. Right. That's kind of the point they're making. Yeah. Yes. Good point. Yeah. There's uh, yeah. The, the, if they were trying to get across the idea that there, there's never been another Steve Rogers and there probably won't be unless Isaiah could have been that man. I guess, uh, I guess we, we don't know. Right after the scene where he gets the boot, he's, he and his fiance are, or his wife, I guess, at this point, are um, sitting out in the hallway. And then we get the shot of the booted feet walking towards the camera. <laughs> and it reveals Julia Louise Dreyfus. Now, I have famously had problems with roles in these Marvel movies being given to just the most well-known uh popular actors and being expected to not go well holy crap there's whoever you know what i mean like in guardians of the galaxy glenn close shows up i'm like why in the world is glenn close in this marvel movie (laughs) and well Assume that uh, that these people want to uh, star in something that their kids can watch. Yeah, you know, grandkids can watch or something. But for some reason, I didn't have a problem this time because as soon as she just started talking, she just immediately had a personality that was yes. so not Elaine from Seinfeld. You know what I mean? This was a different Julia Dreyfus than I had ever seen before. Uh, maybe something I should watch a Veep episode because uh, I understand that she's not still just Elaine from Friends. Yeah, I've never seen Veep either, to be honest. I, I was, um, I was, <laughs> I would, I was shocked to see that it was Julie Louis Dreyfus. And if I had been told that it, that she was playing that before I saw her, um, I had forgotten. Uh, so it was a surprise to me. It's like, wait a minute, that's Elaine from Friends, and yeah. then she just crushes that scene. Um, you know, I, I, if anything, she was. A little bit. Um, uh, it, it was it was kind of in your face, um, but I guess that was the whole point of it. Well, here yeah, she was. She was a firecracker, and uh, yeah, I, I've um, I've been a huge fan of her since uh, the Seinfeld days. But 
you know, to see her do it that way um, was really cool. I don't think there's any way they could use her character uh, enough. Here's, know, here's I, the I, interesting. It's not going to be a series anytime soon. No, we'll we'll see her again. And this is the interesting thing about this is that we were supposed to have already met this character in the Black Widow movie, which oh, was supposed okay. to have come out before Falcon and Winter yeah. Soldier. Yeah. So I wonder if I'm trying to think watching this scene, the first thing we see is like her feet, her boots, right? I'm wondering if we would have known it was her as we saw just the feet walking up <laughs> because we'd already seen her in Black Widow. Uh, and now I wonder when we see black her in Black Widow, is it going to feel weird? Like, why are they acting like we don't know who this person is when we've already seen her in Captain and or Falcon and Winter Soldier? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I wonder if maybe it was reshot because of the whole COVID thing and the whole moving things around. But it, it's a lovely surprise to, to definitely see her. Uh, I hope it doesn't ruin her appearance in black widow yeah i was watching the um uh and i was reading uh you know through facebook or whatever and i came across this article where it said that they had to smuggle her to the set every day in a hooded cloak like emperor palpatine <laughs> so nobody could so nobody would know it was her oh that's great mm -hmm. yeah this this was the episode if you if you we're watching these episodes weekly and then following all the, the stuff online, uh, the videos and whatnot that talk about the show. And, um, this was the episode for the whole week leading up to it. There was just stuff all over the internet that they were going to be introducing, uh, a character to this, that's going to blow everybody's mind. And, and, uh, and, and it did because it was her. And I have to comment Brad on what you're saying about stunt casting, because I do get annoyed by stunt casting as well. And I think the biggest difference, you know, you bring up Glenn Close and then you bring up Julia Louis-Dreyfus and how we, we see Julia Louis-Dreyfus and it doesn't seem to bother us as much as it did with Glenn Close. And I think that's because Julia Louis-Dreyfus just made that character her own. Whereas you watch Glenn Close in right. Guardians of the Galaxy and it's like anybody could have, you know, you could have put anybody in that yeah. part. It didn't have, but, you know, the same thing with... Uh, the dude from Thor Ragnarok, I can't. The Grandmaster, I can't remember. His Jeff name. Goldblum. Yes, he made he, that. He made it his own. So entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bill, did we lose your microphone? Oh, you muted yourself. I got you. You were doing stuff and you were being polite. We. Yes. I thought. I thought I saw you laugh, but I didn't hear your voice. <laughs> okay. Um. I was making a little noise in the kitchen. No, that's cool. We, we, appreciate, we appreciate the courtesy. Right All right. Um, and, her, and her first line when she shows up, you know, with the whole boots, these boots are not made for walking. <laughs> you know, that's something. Maybe she made a joke in, in Black Widow that we're going to see, and it'll make a little – because oh. it was funny, but it yeah. was like, is that – it almost felt like it was a callback. Like, with that, we should have gotten that joke yeah. for another reason. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that makes complete sense. That makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, she was so quippy; it could have gone very wrong. Yeah, uh, it took someone with the gravitas of um, of an actress like that yeah. to, to pull it off. I suppose. You know, um, I 
I, I just I imagined uh, another uh, lesser actor saying those lines, and it would just be a, a freaking tragedy. Yeah. You know, when they announced Robert Downey Jr. was going to be Tony Stark, I thought, that is the worst casting I have ever heard in my life. And, of course, we all know how that <laughs> turned out. He made he, – he is Tony Stark. He's nothing but Tony Stark for me from now on. You know, he's ruined for, – for me, he's ruined any other movies he might be in in the future. Like this – he's doing another uh, Sherlock Holmes movie. It's not going to be Sherlock Holmes. It's going to be Tony Stark playing like he's Sherlock Holmes for me. So I, uh, a quick a quick aside. Uh, I remember when Michael Keaton was announced as Batman and right. thought that was the dumbest right. idea ever. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because I was like Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now most people, he is Batman. Yeah. Nobody else can do Batman like Michael Keaton. Yeah. He. Uh, he. I mean, he is is among the you know the top two, if not yeah. Christian Bale. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about him coming back too as Batman in the Flash in the rumored Flash movie. Yeah. All right. So after we see her, we go to um, we go to the scene where the Wakandans catch up with Zemo and they take him, and then Sam takes the shield and goes to Isaiah Bradley and was going to show him. He goes, "Is that what I think it is? Don't." Just leave it in the bag. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. This whole scene was was. I felt, I felt bad for Isaiah Bradley. Whew. I mean the picture the picture they paint yeah. uh, is just heartbreaking, and it mirrors what happened with Captain America to an extent too, and just how you know the same actions are treated differently because you're a black man. I like to think I'm sensitive to the plight of the African American in America because I have African Americans in my family, but I'm not black. I don't know how they feel. I don't know what they go through every day. I listen to my nephew telling me stories about things he goes through. I just can't, I can't imagine. And it, it, it makes me tear up sometimes thinking about the stuff that he tells me about like his dad and him, the things that he's seen that, that he experiences, I just can't imagine. And so that scene between the two of them, while I don't understand it a hundred percent because I'm not black, it still got to me. I was still like, dang, you know, yeah. I was just like, I just can't, I just can't imagine. And I think that's part of the problem is that as white people, we're never going to fully understand it. Well, but I think as as uh, someone who isn't part of a particular demographic, I mean, we can we can still and did clearly uh, connect with him on just a purely you know human level. Of course, you know, human yeah. being, regardless of what race, creed, color, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you wouldn't want this to happen to anybody. Um, the fact that something like that is uh, is almost literally history um, is. Uh, uh, is a tragedy, but yeah, I, I, uh, you know his, his his you know he he tells uh, he tells uh, uh, Sam you know they told me they were giving me a tetanus shot, and uh, you know which is exactly what they did to the Tuskegee Airmen, um, you know which is 
you know, a call back to some actual real life history. So, you know, they weren't just pulling stuff out of thin air, uh, even considering this is science fiction and comic book, you know, fun, hopefully. Um, don't mind them. Don't mind them taking a, a detour to make a, a good point like that. And, and I was happy to see how, uh, how it concluded, um, you know, series wise. So, uh, I, I appreciate the, the real writing in this and how there is no, you know, until the sixth episode, how there is no clear, like, you know, should you or shouldn't you be Captain America? Should you carry that shield or shouldn't you? Because there, there's definitely uh, uh, two sides to the argument as, as to whether, whether to do it. And when this scene ends, you still don't know what side Sam should choose. Um, well, and, and, and I, I like, just appreciate that the, the way it's presented. Yeah. And the fact that he's, he's not just, you know, he's getting different perspectives. He's talking to Isaiah, he's talking to his sister, you know, he's, he, he, he knows that Steve wants him to be Captain America or he wouldn't have given him the shield in the first place. Mm-hmm. So he's got that perspective. He's now, he, he gets it from Isaiah's perspective. He talks to his sister and I think it's, it's nice to see him go around and get all this all this advice and then he makes his own choice based on everything that that the experiences of others and then his own experiences yeah after that scene uh we see um sam go home and uh bucky goes with him they work on the boat together and uh oh bucky i i i I Sorry, I, I need to bring up that scene where Bucky picks up the engine and just moves it. Yeah. And and this goes with the uh, with the other super soldiers. I love how Disney does not make a big deal about how strong these guys are. Because they will just pick something up super heavy and they don't grunt about it. They just pick it up and yeah. move it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like nothing. I, I appreciate that kind of normalcy of the Marvel universe, which is like, yeah, some people are just super strong, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, go on, Brad. Well, we get that scene where they're working on the boat and he goes, Oh, by the way, I got something for you. And he gives him the new, the big suitcase. And of course he opens it and we don't see what's in it, but we know what's in it. Um, We see John Walker go to Lamar Hoskins family uh, to you know, explain what happened, and this is the only time I ever felt any kind of connection with John Walker in this episode. It was when he had to talk to his his best friend's parents and, fa- and family. You know that I can't and I imagine. Think it was John's wife in there? Um, not John's wife. Um, um, Battlestar's wife. Yeah, Lamar's wife. Lamar's wife. Yeah, and they yeah. were super nice to him, and they hug him, and and all this stuff. And then here we go with Dagum Sharon Carter. Talking on the yeah, phone. I got some work for you. Who's she talking to? That kind of sounds kind of fishy to me. I don't like where Marvel's going with this. This is all that's going through my head while watching it, you know? Then we go back to, where are they, New Orleans? With Sam and... and, uh, and um, Well, they're Louisiana, so... Yeah. Yeah, there's somewhere... This is the cool scene where the, the two of them are throwing the shield around, bouncing bouncing uh, the shield off of trees it reminded me of that story that frank told us a long time ago when he he uh went out with this girl they had a nice time then he called her a few late days later and he says what are you doing and she says oh i'm just in the backyard throwing knives at trees 
<laughs> That's what that scene reminded me of for some reason. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. That's the last time I talked to her. Too. You know, if I have any, <laughs> if I have any, I don't have a problem suspending my disbelief for Marvel stuff. I, I because I love it so much. But if there's one thing that I had a problem with, it has to do with the physics of the shield. Not so much the physics of the shield, but as it bounces back to them, how can they catch it so easily? How do they time it so perfectly that their hand and arm and upper arm goes through both of those leather straps at the same time? You know what I'm saying, Bill? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And uh, I just, I this is one of those, you know, suspender disbelief moments yeah. because that's a great point uh the, the the two things that i thought was uh part a is that it's made of uh vibranium so its vibrations are very advanced and you probably can count on a bounce off something like that because vibranium <laughs> is made to do things like absorb and 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 reject energy. And so it probably bounces a lot more truly than something made out of another metal would. Uh, so I'm going to give them a little bit of credit, you know, there, I'm going to give that as part of their answer. And the other part is, and this is probably not it, but I was trying to figure out how to make it at least somewhat possibly believable in an MCU type of world where maybe they, you know, maybe it's like throwing a knuckleball. They weren't throwing, you know, they weren't, they weren't throwing that thing with tremendous spin rate and, and maybe, you know, maybe they just throw it and it just kind of goes out and comes back without spinning much. Cause if you could do that, then you could kind of figure out where the, you know, where the, the, the straps were and maybe you could okay. line up your arm with the straps and just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I agree that let's that's, go with uh, that and flimsy logic. Uh, that's the best I could come up with. And even I who came up with it, uh, doesn't put uh, any stock in it. There's, yeah, I mean, if you think about if you think about Bill's thing, that's more of a push than yeah. a spin. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, <laughs> I, I know, I know. Uh, you know what? So, I, I, I even I don't think that's right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give uh, the credit to Vibranium and uh, it being a comic book. Here's this is what it would make it believable for me, and it's funny that I say okay. that out loud when I talk about it. It's utterly <laughs> ridiculous. That Sam and Bucky both have had metal implanted in their forearm and the and the back of their hand on both both arms, so it magnetically attaches to the the shield when when it flies back at them. Yes, that's what it feels like. That's, that's yes, and that that would be believable, but it's utterly ridiculous when you think about it. Well, so the problem is that Sam is not wearing a metal gauntlet. Uh, no, they've he, implanted the metal. In their skin, they've grafted the metal onto the bones of their of their forearm, the radius and ulna, and the back of the phalanges okay. in the hand, and that's why it's attaching. Steven's looking at me like I'm an idiot. No, no one could ever do that. <laughs> no. Couldn't actually attach it's, metal to someone's skeleton. That's crazy. It's so ridiculous it just might work. <laughs> uh, the, well, and is, then and then they can like, they can take this shield and they can throw it at a tree and it'll bounce off a tree. They can throw it at a tree and it'll stick in the tree <laughs> or they can throw it. Cause there's literally a scene in one of the episodes where I, th I think it's episode four where freaking he throws it at Baron Zemo's head and it just bounces off his head and yeah. knocks him out. 
Walker and then does a little that. later, he's he's cutting another guy's head off with it. So right. it's and, a and also, pretty amazing thing. And also at the end of episode four, um, he throws it at one of the flag smashers, and it buries itself about half deep into a wall. And he actually right? has to tug on it, you know, right. a, a, you know, a couple of times to get to, you know, you know dislodge. Maybe he so, knew that if he threw it with all his strength and hit Zemo on the side of the head, it would literally would bury itself inside his skull. So he didn't chunk it as hard. It's, Maybe it's, it's just the like, angle in which you throw it or something. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think, I think it's like sword work and that you, you just have to know how much pressure to throw in order to do a kill or just, a yeah. a, 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 an injure. I mean, it's just finesse, I guess. Well, it's, it's like in the, uh, the daredevil comics, it, it never failed to amuse me. How probably about once an issue, Valkyrie, you know, would draw, you know, Dragon Fang, her sword. You know, she would jump off of Aragorn, her her mighty Pegasus steed, and she would pull, she would draw her sword out, and then she would she would you know say exposition style that luckily you know she could you know hit this uh, this villain with the flat of her blade, and so she was never actually using you know it's, it's the same thing with Wolverine. It's like you've got these these pointy things. And you're, you know, you're almost never actually gutting people with them. I don't know how you're, you're ripping your claws across somebody without just, just shredding them, and uh, cutting down yeah. a tree so it'll fall on them. Or right. right. <laughs> so okay. I just, I always thought, yes, that it, it is uh, difficult to reconcile the uh, uh, the mechanics of the shield in flight, it's especially when, as you say, it's a great point that there are like three or four different possibilities as to what could happen once it strikes something out of, any, I, I, uh, out of anything I'm, Marvel, I'm, the thing that I can't just accept 100% out of all the movies and TV shows that we've seen is the, them catching the shield for some reason. That's okay. The one thing that so, bothers me. Well, but then, Fred, and, and sorry, sorry to bring this up. I, uh, I know this is different universe, and different power sets. But this has always bugged me. You know, like when Superman with his laser vision will be battling someone else with laser vision and they always meet in the middle? Yeah. Okay. That's essentially two guys with swords thrusting it and them hitting <laughs> their tips perfectly together and then pushing on <laughs> them. That should not work. <laughs> you have to be so precise with those lasers. I know this is Marvel. I'm sorry. It's just that always bothers me. Wait a minute. What are we talking about? That's one yeah. of the comic book tropes of all time, though, man. Two, <laughs> two, two, two creatures firing energy beams at each other in the meeting in the middle. I mean, hell, we saw it in WandaVision. Yeah. They're, they're not afraid to throw that one out there. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's particularly yeah. with the eyes. It's always because they always pinpoint and meet right yeah, in the middle. Why, then there's a push right. back and forth. Why Why is it so precise? One, two millimeters off, they're missing each other's beams. They're both exactly. taking each other's noggins yes. off. They're okay. not good. No, well, I right. guess if they come out of your eyes, you can, you can uh, uh, put it exactly where you intend it to be. I guess. Yeah, you because know, you're looking right at it, whatever Yeah, it Yeah, yeah. If you look directly at the end of a, the tip of a pin, you're looking at the yeah. tip of the pin, and that's where your laser beam eyes are going. Absolutely. Well, so wouldn't, wouldn't you turn your head and hit their knee then? Yes. Or, right. That could have happened. <laughs> well, okay, don't, so don't I'm looking at Steven. I'm looking at the S on Steven's head, and I'm turning <laughs> my, my hat, my my head, but my eyes are staying on the S. But you know what? 
I can't even keep my my eyes pinpointed. Stephen, you can't move your head, or this whole uh, uh, this whole <laughs> experiment is for naught. All right, never mind. All right, so what do we got left in this episode? We got the Stupid. montage, the '80s working out montage. To be the best, you got to be the best. When Sam's in the backyard by himself doing push-ups and throwing the shield. Oh, and, there's no uh, doubt. I, I, look, I turn to Sage and I go, "Gotta have a montage." Yeah. And we see. Bat I, drop. I'd like to think if you take that montage literally, he would he would run, but then he'd stop and do some push-ups. Then he'd go back to the shield. Yeah. Then yeah. he'd stop and do some push-ups. Circuit training. Then he'd stop and sweat. Yeah, circuit training. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we get the see the scene at the end with Carly in the park, and Batrock comes up and says, "I have what you want, uh huh." And so we know at this point, we know this is the guy that Sharon was on the phone with. And I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So the anger is rising yes, in episode God. in episode five. The anger, Brad's anger, is rising. And then we this the episode ends with the GRC meeting and um, the 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 lights go off and the red emergency lights come on and. All the bad guys show up, and Sam opens the suitcase, and we never see what's in it, and then the episode ends. But there's a mid credit scene of Walker making a new shield with a gleam in his eye like he's freaking crazy. That's my, that's my opinion. I, I, uh, I understand story-wise why they did it, but in my mind, I, I kept thinking, that's dumb why are you making that shield it's not gonna last it's gonna like one maybe two hits that's it and well, sure enough that's what ends up happening yeah it's just simple he's not ready to give up being captain america exactly, that's what that's yeah. telling yeah exactly he knows but he, he knows the he has to pull this little rascals routine and make his own shield little rascals more like pulling a team buddy <laughs> come on man and uh yeah he knows it's not gonna last but you saw that crazy look in his eye he knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, for sure. Plus, he told Lamar's parents that he killed the person who killed Lamar, yeah. and he knows that's a lie. Right. So exactly. I think he's got to go kill Carly at that point. Yep. Yeah. So he's not it's a liar. It's almost like he didn't think through it because he seemed surprised, and they asked him, did you, you, know, did you take care of the guy? And he kind of goes, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, that's taken care of. You know, I, I thought in that scene he was just giving them closure and right. just telling them what they needed to hear, not not that he meant to lie about it. Um, right, but I think he feels afterwards that I lied, I know, you know, I did. I, I need right to complete reason. the mission. Yeah. Yep. Episode six, the final episode. One world, one people. Wearing a new Captain America uniform and flight suit from the Wakandans, Wilson flies to New York to stop the Flag Smasher's attack with the help of Barnes, Carter, and Walker. Carter accidentally reveals that she is the power broker to Batrock and kills him while Wilson attempts to reason with Morgenthau before Carter kills her as well. Wilson convinces the GRC to postpone the forced relocation of displaced people that Morgenthau died fighting for and instead make efforts to help them. The remaining serum-enhanced flag smashers are caught by Barnes and Walker and sent to the raft, but they are killed by Zemo's butler, Oznik, en route. DeFontaine gives Walker a new uniform and codename, U.S. Agent. Barnes makes amends with everyone he hurt 
or enabled as the Winter Soldier, while Wilson has a memorial dedicated to Isaiah Bradley added to the Captain America Museum exhibit. In a mid-credits scene, after receiving a full pardon, Carter rejoins the CIA and intends to use this access to sell government secrets and resources while Brad Milo loses his ever-loving mind. <laughs> wow. Next. That was, um, you know, when you read, when you just listen to that uh, description, it was very, like, only three things happened in this episode. You know, it was like, it was a quick, like, the, the Sam saves the day in his awesome new suit. Which was it gave me goosebumps when I saw it. Then he has he that, looked, yeah. He has that fantastic speech uh, to the senators in front of the um, in front of the TV cameras. I thought that was wonderful. But I'm I'm, sc- I'm scrolling through right now. So the episode's um, fifty something minutes long, yeah. and the first twenty minutes are all that scene at the at the beginning like the first okay now yeah right up to 20 right up to 21 minutes is the that whole scene where they're dealing with the flag smashers and and all the the folks and then we get the scene where um the man goes that's black falcon and then the other dude (laughs) next to him with the camera goes nah that's captain america that's that's a goosebump material right there and That's I didn't. A, that was a good scene. And I'll jump to the end real quick. Ashley pointed out that at the very end, you know, when they put the title card up, it says Falcon and Winter Soldier. It said Captain America and Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah I did not. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't either. I did not either. But oh, wow, you didn't catch I, that. I was yeah. I was lucky enough to have caught it, and I I did a little clap. Yeah, that's. I'm glad that they changed the title for the yeah. last episode. That and I just literally got goosebumps just now saying that out loud that's pretty cool so okay let's just just let's just jump right to it 21 minutes 21 and a half minutes carly morgenthau and sharon carter are there in walks batrock and he goes he calls her the power broker and she puts a bullet in him and why did they do this to sharon i don't i don't get it i mean first off it I was think- telegraphed way early yeah yeah and it makes no sense to do it the in the context that we've gotten from this miniseries. I mean, that it, it won't make sense uh, until we see this play out over the course of the next however many movies um, or, or a, a miniseries coming up. Um, you know, uh, I just, it just, they didn't need to use her character like that. Uh, I, I hope it wasn't a case. I, I don't think so, but I hope it wasn't a case that, well, we, didn't really know what else to do with her and we wanted the actress you know we wanted the character in the show so we just kind of had to figure something out for her. it's like that that would not be a good enough uh, reason uh to do a, a really like you said pretty telegraphed heel turn like that i mean unless of course i you know there's there's been uh speculation out there on the internet that uh she's actually been working for nick fury the whole time so she's a double agent or something so you know i guess uh, we just we just won't know um and it does make me wonder when we might get some kind of resolution. Well, they recently coming up. Be it. They recently announced uh, Captain America four with okay. Sam Wilson as Captain America is underway. So maybe we'll pick up the thread there. But I just don't believe that Sharon would do that. I understand feeling like you've been betrayed, 
and yeah, and wanting to write off, you know, people you used to trust. But I don't. I just don't see her doing that. She never struck me as as. I don't think so. Well, let let let. Let's have Steven come in because, like I said, he ha- he had an argument that convinced me pretty uh, – that convinced me of it. Make me believe. Oh. Make me feel better, Steven, well, please. My my theory – I mean, I've heard a couple of theories that I, I can kind of get behind. My thought is basically what you are touching on, Brad, where you go back to Civil War and just that the, – the scene where she gives Cap her she- his shield and Sam's wings – and that, of course, makes her an enemy of the state. She now has to go on the run just like they do. Her and Steve share a passionate kiss. And then, as far as we know, that's it. He just leaves her to dangle at that point. We, the, the, the time period between Civil War and Avengers um, Infinity War, I think I read, was like two years and sure, you could say Cap had his own problems to deal with at that point because he's on the run just like she is. But he's still hanging out with Black Widow. He's still uh, hanging out. Well, he's supposed to be hanging out with uh, uh, Scarlet Witch. Why Why can't he have Sharon with him as well? You know, I think she's just I, my feeling is, is that she just feels like I put my life on the line. I put my career on the line. I put my standing with my country on the line for you and then nothing i get nothing in reach i get a kiss out next to a freaking volkswagen bug and <laughs> that's that's all i get now to expand on that further though i i watched a video today where um it's a a, a, a youtube channel called screen crush and his theory is that she has been a bad guy all along oh i guess I guess somebody did uh, a video back during Civil War that theorized that she was working for Baron Zemo the entire time because everything that happened for Baron Zemo in that movie, there's so many things that had to fall into place in order for Baron Zemo's plans to come to fruition. And the theory was is that they, they all wouldn't have fallen into place like that if she hadn't been working for him the whole time. That she was a member of Hydra, and uh, you'd have to watch the video. It's it it is kind of convincing. And then of course there's the theory that she's been a scroll the entire time. Scroll. Yeah, that I had forgotten about that. I would, John Marchianti and Russell Latham and I have a text thread that we'll talk with every once in a while, and you know we've been texting back and forth about Winter Soldier. And Russell Latham said, "What if Sharon is a scroll?" And I said. That would make me feel so much better about what she's but done. Aren't the scrolls supposed to be the good guys now? So well, what would know, the scrolls have to gain by? Isn't that same guy that works in the building that you work in supposed to be a good by good good guy? But when he parks in the parking lot, his right wheels <laughs> hang over the white line, and he takes up a space and a half of parking. Isn't he supposed to be a good guy too? All right. I mean, they do have the whole secret invasion show coming up, so they got to start setting stuff up yeah. in advance for that. I think we're going to find out a bunch of people that we Here's didn't a question. expect to be scrolls were scrolls. So, do we know? Uh, and I've, if we do, I've missed it. Do we know if Sharon Carter blipped out, or was she one one that well, always made it? 
that it was always around. if there there is a moment in Endgame because I, I I researched this today. There's a, a one website says that she presumed it's presumed that she was in the snap, but there's act there's a screenshot from Endgame where you can see Steve looking at um all the people you know images are are going by of people that have snapped on the on the monitor and she doesn't come to the forefront but there's off to the left of him or something there's that's a right of her. that's right so, i remember so that means that she blipped she blipped well, uh and then the people who are theor because if she did how could she have become the <laughs> the freaking power broker in the six months, because this is supposed to be six months after everybody came back. So that's where I'm with on Steve, because she, I Steven, because I I, I think it she, makes sense that she did not get blipped. Yeah, some people are think some the theory is is that she is she's she was the power broker before the the snap, and she used the snap to fake quote unquote fake her death as being snapped so she could amass more power and take advantage of everybody being gone and set herself in place as the power broker. Well, hopefully we'll that get she is. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure they'll explain it. I yeah. think, I think that whole end credit scene with her on the phone and other people are theorizing, of course, that she's not the power broker, but she works for the power broker. But one of her jobs is to make people think she's the power broker, but like, which just sounds really stupid. Like Padme Amidala. <laughs> Right, exactly. Padme, yeah. you know, she had she was the queen, but she posed as somebody else, and we right, yeah. Or uh, the the dude from The Walking Dead, the uh, who was the bad guy in The Walking Dead there at the end? Which one? Oh, you know the I don't remember his name. You know that guy who walks and talks, and he carries a they, gun. That guy. They, they they had the big group of people, and they'd whistle when they were hiding in the woods, and oh, Negan. He, Killed Glenn Negan. Yeah, yeah, they were all like, "I'm Negan. We're all Negan." Right. You know, maybe that's the whole power broker thing. I'm Brian, but... and so's my wife. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Steve, I'm I'm excited about that theory that she may have been evil all along. Um, I like that a lot. It's it's like I said. Check out Screen Crush. It's one of his newer videos, and he points out a lot of things on why he thinks she's been. She's been a Hydra agent the whole time. That she may have been like one of these people, like the uh, the the dude in Agents of Shield that was turned when he was really young. He was recruited into Hydra when he was young, and that maybe she was recruited when she was you know a teenager or outside of high school, and and uh, she's been working for Hydra the whole time. And then um, once Hydra dissolved, she just started doing her own thing. Yeah, I would. I guess you've kind of explained it, but I guess my question would be: Could we have just a tiny little bit of justification? I mean, I'll take some exposition if that's what it's got to be. But, but please explain to me exactly why she's evil. Because her mom was anything but. Um, you know, uh, just it just for something like that to come just flat out of left field was one of the more jarring bits of of this uh, miniseries. That that almost felt like. Uh, just shock value. No, I agree. It's like, it's like if, if she is, you know, evil, I can accept it if they give you a a reasoning behind it, but it's all they're really giving you in this show is, um, she's kind of bitter. 
that yeah, like, yeah. she didn't she didn't have the Avengers to well, you know to get her part. Yeah, it did not feel earned. I'll, I'll say that. I think. I think uh, some of these issues that we have or discussing might have been better dealt with if this series was eight episodes instead of six, because I kind of felt like this episode in particular, while it was completely awesome, except for Sharon being the power broker, it felt like there was a lot shoved in this 50 minutes. And I, w- I would have liked to have seen. And I think if we had had six episodes, we could have had that speech where Sharon says, you know, you, I got nothing. You know, I did uh, you guys a solid. And then Steve leaves me hanging. You know, we yeah. we didn't have, really have time for that kind of speech here. And I think maybe if we'd had that speech, then maybe I might believe her change of heart. Well, I think she she kind of says it as an off, you know, she kind of yeah. says to him, to Sam at one point, she's like, I'm the one that got you the shield and the wing. So I so you could save his butt from his butt and all. And, yeah. but it was like an episode three. It or needed like a little more. Yeah. So Bill, are we on the same side? We didn't like that power broker reveal. I just, um, uh, I'm not as married to the purity of Sharon Hart, uh, Sharon Carter's, persona as you are but i i did feel like that just really came out of left field and uh you know it it didn't it didn't destroy my enjoyment of this series i just thought that was i I thought that was a misstep uh possibly really only you know the misstep not necessarily you know a misstep because I, in general, I think this this whole six hours was really good. I'm trying to imagine a world where this showed up uh, before WandaVision. Also, this this seemed to be a a real good uh, palate cleanser. Uh, Wasn't it supposed to have been before WandaVision? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was also you know, like you said, it was supposed to have been Black Widow, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then eventually WandaVision, and then on on on. Um, I I um. Uh, from a Marvel perspective, like this is very traditional Marvel stuff and, and it would make sense that they would start off with this and then go into WandaVision, which is, you know, so different from stuff we, we had seen, but, uh, but it seems like it really worked out in Disney's advantage to do the WandaVision stuff first. Cause it got people talking. It got, I think it got people who weren't really into Marvel to watch the WandaVision stuff. Cause it was so I different. Would- I would call it absolute serendipity because if this had come out first, we would still have enjoyed it. You make Definitely. no mistake, we would still have enjoyed this. We would still have enjoyed WandaVision, but I think the dynamic is a little different because we had such a long break, you know, after Endgame, uh, or I guess maybe uh, uh, the, uh, Homecoming. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming is actually the last, the most recent Marvel movie. Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. Right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we had, you know, a year plus, uh, you know, between Marvel movies being released. And, uh, and so all of a sudden to, to come back with something as, as odd as WandaVision just felt like a, a real genius, just a real masterstroke, uh, you know, as far as tone, you know, and reestablishing the MCU and, and pulling people back in to do something that, that offbeat and that kind of loony. Uh, I thought was, uh, was was really a stroke of genius. And then this, the way it's worked out, and then this kind of goes, yeah, okay, okay. The last thing was kind of weird, and it was really cool. I was like, what the heck's going on? And I, I kind of like this. And then you get, oh, right, okay. But but the MCU, 
you know, the TV shows aren't all going to just be goofy. They can be just, you know, kind of kick butt, you know, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, so I just, I, I really, I really enjoyed the way, uh, uh, the way these mini series have, uh, played out. Um, can be, can be very interesting. The, the next thing we get is uh, Loki, uh, in about a month and a half. The right? day after my birthday, Loki comes out and, um, oh, wait. as of this recording, Moon Knight has started production. Oh, fun. Yeah. Lucky guy. Oh, oh when does Ten Rings come out? Is it in December? Uh, I think I it's September. Yeah, I want to say September. September. Yeah. Um, so the, the rest of the main story beats in this episode is um, they have the big confrontation where Carly shoots Sharon, and then Sharon ends up shooting Carly and she dies and then Sam has brings the dead body to the senators. They have the big talk. His speech was great to the senators on front of the TV cameras. That was wonderful. Um, he goes to visit Isaiah Bradley and, uh, said, so, Oh no, before that, um, we see, um, Zemo in the raft and we see his Butler was behind the bombing of those last group of folks. And then, uh, we get a visit from the Contessa again, where she's talking to John Walker's wife and he walks out in his new uniform. You know, what kills me is that the U S agent uniform was staring me in the face the whole time. And I never, never <laughs> noticed it because really? it's yeah. just a color change. It was just a color change, you know, yeah. but the whole, those horizontal <laughs> stripes, that's the, that's the big, you know, that's the, the look of the U S agent. So that was great. I loved seeing that, you know. Oh, we never really did talk about this about the Contessa. Is she a good guy or a bad guy? We don't really know at this point. You know, in the comics, she was Nick Fury's girlfriend for a while. She was a good person, and then later on, several years down the line, she got retconned into being a Hydra agent who was posing as a Shield agent. But we don't know what the MCU is doing with her. So, so Contessa, Contessa has this. There's this one line. I wrote it down. Let me see. Uh, Val says something to the effect of, uh, after after all those super soldiers are dead, she goes, uh, this will save people a lot of paperwork and redacting and shredding. That leads me to believe that she knows something that maybe the government was maybe behind the flag smashers trying to create chaos so they could do something else. Hmm. Uh I think she's I think she's a government agent, but I think it's uh, even a, a very shadowy, dark part of the government. I think she's like Nick, Nick Fury times ten, where she deals with a lot of black bag stuff that nobody well, would want to see come to the so light. So she's just Nick Fury, uh, a version of Nick Fury. Here's another thing: Would we have already know if she's a good guy or a bad guy had we'd seen her in Black Widow first? Ooh. Good question. Yeah, so that'll that's that'll be interesting to see what I like her character. I think it's she makes it fun. She's like, mm-hmm. I didn't do that, or did I? But I didn't. Or did, or did I? I? No, I'm joking. Or, yeah. Yeah, or, or am, am I, I joking? Yeah, that was some fun times. <laughs> She's great. Um, and then Bucky has one more name. He's got to cross off his list, so he goes to see the old man that he used to be a soldier with, oh, and has to confess that, was that rough. He, he's the one that killed his son. He didn't have any choice because he was a Winter Soldier. Yeah, that just, was rough. This is- this is one of the, the tropes that, that has always bugged me. Yeah, this we know like, you don't like emotions because you have a black heart. Yeah, that too. But, <laughs> uh, but just, 
you know, just to walk in and go, oh, by the way, uh, sorry, I, I murdered your son. Okay, have a nice life. It's like, <laughs> please just spend, you know, and, and you, you kind of want to think that maybe this happened off camera, but we know it didn't. But it's like, just spend another 20 seconds going, look, I killed him. I take full responsibility for it. I'm, I, I can't, you know, I, I could not be sorrier that I did that. I was... I was the subject of literally decades of brainwashing and mental conditioning, and I was mind controlled. I'm sure he so, had that you know, conversation Bill, I, off screen. I, yeah, I, I yeah, I assumed that they had an all night conversation. I, I mean, they, I hope so. Uh, and, I, I don't remember thinking that from that scene. I, I don't well, remember the, thinking that scene any longer than it was. But the scene cuts away pretty pretty much. I mean, it it he says, you know, it was me. I was. And I didn't have a choice, and then boom, it cuts. So we don't, we didn't like yeah. see him get up and go. All right, check you later and leave. Yeah. yeah. So I can only assume that he, that they did have a, a heart to heart. And at the end, he and, said, um, "Get out of my face and never come see me again." And please well, then, uh, uh, answer the, this. The uh, next, the next scene in that is Bucky walking by the restaurant, and he sees the waitress. Yeah. And she gives him a nod. And it's almost like she's serving the old man. Yes, she's serving the old man. It, it's almost like, uh, like, like, okay, he told me the story too. I get it. Thank you for telling us. You know, um, don't come around here again. But thank you for for yeah. closing the book on. Bucky smiles. It's almost like he's looking in there and he sees the old guy take a shot and go, yeah. okay, he's gonna drown his sorrows in alcohol. Yeah, he does. Gold. I'm watching it here. He does. <laughs> Just have a little, he kind of, a small nod to himself, a little smile, half smile, and walks away. That is a great shot, too, as he just, I, I look over at our market sage as we're watching that, um, as he doesn't just walk out of frame, he takes two or three steps back, and you and and he loses the, the focus of the camera. Yeah. And so he literally walks out of focus, and then takes a few steps yeah. off camera. Yeah, it's great. So it's kind of a, 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 a Carrie Scogland, uh, you know, or the DP constructing a really, uh, a, a really good camera shot. I just thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I want to believe that, uh, that there was some more closure than that. Uh, because if you just walked in and said, Hey, killed your son. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't have a choice. Okay. Have a nice life. That would not be closure to me. Uh, that might be worse than not knowing. Um, Bill, is it because that they they did a cut instead of a dissolve there? <laughs> well, I just again, I, I acknowledge you know what you told me that there was a that there was an edit, you know that there was a cut to another scene from there. Um, and yes, again, for those of you kids in the audience uh, who haven't learned TV one hundred and one. A, uh, a cut in TV denotes uh, continuous action, and a dissolve denotes uh, the passage of time. So, if they had dissolved away from that scene, you know, whatever. But they, you know, if they're cutting to something else that's happening concurrently, then you can assume that the previous scene, you know, you know, the the characters in it, we may not be watching them, but that scene may be continuing. The, and yeah, I mean, I can I can live with that. I just you know the rules of editing I, that that. You know, it would have been so easy to just have you know have him like start the next sentence or whatever and cut away or, or something, whatever. I, I know I'm I'm dwelling on a on, on an odd place uh, to dwell. Um, no, but it. But, uh, I, I get it. That's, that I knowing the type of 
human being you are and how big your heart is. I joked about it being black, but I know it's a big heart. I completely see you wanting a little more of that just so you can sleep at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I just, get it. It, it was, it was so, it was so the, the, the old, you know, the old man, the friend could sleep at night because right. again, you know, if Bucky had just said what he said in that scene and walked off with no further dialogue, then again, if I'm the old man, you know, that's, that's quite possibly worse, you know, than, than just not knowing. I, uh, I because, Bill, I, I would say if he camp. had, if that was the end of the scene, you would have seen Bucky walk away because that that's not the way you that's just not the way you would broach that subject. I mean, he had to gear up so much energy to tell him this. If you remember, you know, during the first or second episode, you know, Bucky was trying to tell him, you know, he was seen as his uh, psychologist. He was yes. talking about it. He he and it wasn't until Sam told him that he has to do the work that he has to do it not for himself. But for yeah. the father, and once you do much, that, then then the healing can begin. As much credit as I want to give the director and DP for that last shot with Bucky um, seeing the old man, you know, apparently being able to go on and live his life and being okay with it, you know, I I want to I want to question the the director because, you know, God, I just feel like I'm just pounding on a dead horse right now. I'm sorry. This this hopefully will be the last thing I say on the subject. It would have been so easy for Bucky to have said, I didn't have a choice. And then maybe he like goes to sit down a chair or whatever. You cut away from that point. Just, it would have been so easy to have made it fairly obvious that this, that this conversation is continuing. We just don't have to hear it. That would have been fine with me, but I just think the way they, they, the way they directed it or the way they edited it, uh, left it, uh, left it to be somewhat confusing to the audience. And, and again, maybe I just have a pea-sized brain and a double-digit IQ, um, but um, but I don't know. So anyway, there you go. That's, uh, that's, that's my soapbox. I'm done with it now. Maybe they thought the scene where Bucky's looking at him through the window at the bar was the button that it needed. So Yeah, um, that's very, very possible. I, I can give that some credence for sure. Three main things that happened left. Sam goes to see Isaiah Wilson, says, come with me. I want to show you something. He takes him to the Captain America's exhibit where Isaiah Bradley has his own section of it now, which is very cool. Then we see see, uh, Sam and Bucky back at uh, down by the boat. and Everybody's having a big party. There's a great scene where Bucky's talking to Sam's sister and there's kids hanging on his metal arm and he's just holding it like it's no big deal. And, uh, uh, also, Brad, this has my favorite scene uh, out of the oh, whole yeah, yeah. series. Frank sent, Frank, Frank sent me and Bill a screenshot of Bucky walking into the party carrying a store-bought cake in one hand. <laughs> As like, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm here at the party, and I know you made this fantastic barbecue. We got fish. We got crawdads. We got all this great stuff. I stopped at Sam's. I got a cake. like... <laughs> Yeah, and just the way he's carrying it, and it's just, uh, and the and the whole back idea of of him stopping by at a Kroger, just like, hey, I need a cake for a party. Yeah, need a cake I'll quick. Take that one, thanks. Can you scrape off the congratulations <laughs> off the top of that cake and put, maybe smooth the icing out? Yeah. Sure. Uh, and That's then, another issue with the direction of that episode because clearly that should have been a single sheet king cake. 
I mean, they're yeah. in Louisiana, for God's sake. Yes, with a baby hidden no, in no, it. No, this looks like a multi-layer round cake. It's like, well, who the hell has that in If Louisiana? you look closely at the at the container he's carrying, it looks like it's been mishandled because there's a lot of smeared icing on the inside of the clear. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It like it fell off the seat the, in the car. Exactly, Stephen. I was just about <laughs> to say no, that. Did. Just about oh, to say no. that. And, and it, it looks like a cheap cake, too. It doesn't look like a good cake. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It looks like it got on the day-old rack. Yeah. Um, uh, then the last thing we up. see is the mid-credit scene with Sharon getting full a full pardon. Then she walks out on the phone saying, Haha, I'm back, baby. She's so deliciously evil at the end of that scene. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm evil. I'm I'm super happy with this with this whole show. I think it's I think it's well done. I think these two characters especially deserved uh their time in the spotlight. Um and I'm super happy to see Sam Wilson as Captain America. His costume is just amazing. I've seen the toys that they're putting out with him in this costume and his the wings fully extended. They just look incredible. I would love to have him stay on my work uh, desk with his wings extended. That would just be great. I give this whole series... Out of a scale of five reverse flashes, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four and a half reverse flashes. That's the Brad Milo guarantee. Four and a half reserve reverse flashes. Steven, what about you, buddy? I really enjoyed it. I love Sam and Bucky together. I think the two of them were probably some of my favorite parts of the Civil War movie. I think they make a good buddy cop movie. Um, I'll give it. Four point five one. Oh wow! One dollar, uh, Bob. One dollar. <laughs> uh, I I thought this series was a lot of fun. They did great production value, uh, mirror everything you guys say. Um, but I'm only going to give it a, a four, um, just because I I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I don't know about the rewatchability of it. Uh, I don't know about the impact. Well, I, I guess it'll have an impact on the on the MCU universe moving forward, but uh, but like it didn't have a huge impact on me. I just had a lot of fun watching it, so I'm going to give it four reverse flashes. William, you get the last word, buddy. I uh, I give this uh, much like I gave WandaVision. I kind of give this the credit of just being one more chapter in the MCU, just like any of the single movies, or or I guess. You know, Infinity War slash Endgame, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, I don't see this as so much, you know, this is six hours of blah, blah. I see this as, you know, hey, did you like the, you know, did you like the Ant-Man 2 story? Did you like the WandaVision story? Did you like the Endgame story? Did you like the Falcon Winter Soldier story? Um, Yes, I did like this. And uh, uh, I thought it was just kind of really, really solid. Uh, There were a number of, of... fight scenes where I was kind of punching the air and going, Oh wow. Oh geez. Look at that. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out why I'm, I, I hate to, uh, uh, I hate half measures. Um, with that said, I'm going to give this 4.25 reverse flashes, uh, because I think it was very, very solid. I don't think it's four and a, it, it's not four and a half a solid to me. I think four and a half is about as high as I'd want to go for about anything. You know, it's like you never want to give a perfect 10. Um, 
so at that point, you know, a nine kind of would be the perfect 10, you know, to think about that weirdly by that logic. Uh, I'm not going to give it a four and a half because I don't think it was perfect. I think they, uh, I, I don't think, you know, again, so much of this hinges on what they plan to do with the flag smashers, Sharon Carter, uh, the Contessa, uh, you know, so much of this hinges on what they plan on doing with these characters and the ideas, uh, you know, here in the future. Um, and so I just, I feel like there were enough threads left dangling that I think that this was a, a really top notch effort. And, uh, it just, it, it's kind of mind boggling to me that you can, now, this wasn't cheap, but that you can do a freaking TV show with this kind of scale to it. Uh, it's just really, really cool. And so when I give it four and a quarter reverse flashes, I, I want everybody to know that I consider that a high compliment. I consider that high praise. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by what they're going to do. I'm, I'm worried about what they're going to do with Sharon Carter. Uh, I, I echo you with that, Brad. Uh, I, I didn't think I would, but I, I want to see a lot more Contessa, Allegra, Valentina, Dave, Valentina, whatever her name was. You almost had it there. <laughs> I, I, just, I hit a speed bump and just tripped. You know. Just um, call her Val. No. And sing um, it so to the I song. This was completely worth our time. And um, uh, I think this has uh, more rewatchability um, than, say, WandaVision does. Uh, because, frankly, there's more action scenes in this. Good lord, what is that? <laughs> okay. The, the, I can't the listening see anything on... you've put up. Seriously? Yeah, yeah I haven't seen uh, it. I see it. Why don't you see it, Stephen? I just see a big gray <laughs> screen. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you've missed all the great things. I'm not we're not gonna tell anybody what we'll show we'll <laughs> I'll send it to you, Stephen, by yourself, but uh, I've shown I've try shared to send my, it through the chat, Brett. Or yeah, try I will. to send it through the chat. I've shared my screen with, with the guys uh, just for a laugh. I saw something funny and I'll send it to um I'll send it to Steven here in a second. But uh let's yeah. call it quits on this episode, Steven. Hey, um, one, yes, I've sir. Aside, I've got one aside that I need just a moment or two to deal with here. Um if anybody I doubt you did, but if anybody heard the random audio file uh, I, I demand satisfaction from Brad and Frank, especially as I want to go ahead and read, um, I want to go to read, uh, a column from, we got this covered. And, uh, this was, this was put out, uh, well, this is four hours ago. That's not right because I've had it uh, here for a couple days now. Ryan Reynolds reveals his casting choices for MCU's fantastic four. And uh, if you've seen the poster, it is amazing. Um, Ryan Reynolds uh, wants to see the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia guys playing the Fantastic Four. So, okay. That ties into uh, my random audio files. And if anybody hasn't listened to it, uh, I, uh, uh, you can go and listen to it. And then I will, uh, I will soak in the vindication of uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, agreeing with me. So, he's a smart guy. You know, what you gotta do? Um, for those of you who didn't hear the random audio falls, don't blame me. Um, it was uh, uh, the "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" cast as the Fantastic Four. And uh, if you want, I could tell you, but I'm gonna let you guess who was. Here. Make them go listen yeah. to it. Make, right. make them so go listen to it. Yeah. All right, and then and then and, and look for the story, and um, you know, um, and then think about me. 
as you're doing it. <laughs> because somewhere <sighs> Bill will be thinking about Bill too. <laughs> All right, Stephen, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us for the last couple hours. We appreciate it. I'm sure, glad sure. you could define the time. Thank the wife for giving you a couple hours off. I saw her walk back and forth a few times in the camera there. Will do, will do. Precious missus. Tell, tell us again about that new show. Please give us the name of the new uh, show you're doing. Oh Event or else, and it's or as in my last name, O-R-R. Two R's. Uh, Event or else.com. Awesome. else. All right. Sweet. Well, um... Like Bill said, the next thing we have coming up in the MCU is uh, Loki. There's two full-length trailers out with some different stuff in both. If you haven't seen them, I highly recommend looking at them because it looks like it's going to be great. Um, we will uh, be gone for a few weeks. We'll throw in a, a random audio file here and there to keep the feed warm. But until then, I guess we should hear the spoiler plate, Frank. You've been listening to Half Hour West Wasted. <laughs> Wasted. Half Hour You've Wasted. been listening to Half Hour Wasted, proud member of the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Send your yeah, questions right. and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Half Hour Wasted. And leave us, in fact, tell us what you thought about Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Leave us a voicemail at 469 298 9739 or an easy way to remember that is go wax type 9 for all the guys uh, we'll see you in about a month maybe six weeks but until next time bye bye